New episode starts now. Welcome one. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Liquor Talk Podcast. I'm your man V Jones and I'm hosting it here in beautiful Florida. And today I have a guest that's on the road right now, joining us out of Wyoming right now. And she is the host of the Queen X Podcast. It's Miss Autumn Black. How you doing today, Autumn? I'm fantastic. I'm doing really good. Glad to be on Liquor Talk. Glad to be here. So thank you for having me, Victor. I appreciate you for shining a light on all the other podcasts that's out there. I've been enjoying your series. Uh, it's no problem. No, it's no problem. I, honestly, it's been very fulfilling for me, too, you know what I'm saying, just to make a new connection and get to know somebody else's story, you know what I'm saying? So it's been very fulfilling for me. So I understand you guys are truck. Your husband is a truck driver. Yeah, yeah. So um, he is a truck driver full time. And then I am a full time entrepreneur. I do YouTube vlogs, blogging and my podcast. That's I live a very leisurely life. <laughs> That's real. But also salute quick salute to your husband, because the truck drivers are one of these essential fields that are just the backbone of the country right now. That's just Caring America through this pandemic of the coronavirus. Hell yes. Yes. Shout out to him. He's very appreciated. When we pull up to any truck stops or anywhere we go, there's um, signs. People have signs up that say thank you to our truck drivers. We get free stuff a lot of places we go because people are so appreciative. So um, he, he feels very honored right now. That's real. I'm, I, he should, as he should, feel honored. So how have you been handling the whole coronavirus pandemic? Because I've been hearing from a lot of different people that it's just been, some has been stopping the way of life, and then some people it's just been as if it's not even here. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, I guess I'm kind of a little bit in between because um, our life hasn't stopped. Like I said, he's still working, so we're still traveling. We're still out and about. Usually I would take breaks off of the truck with him and I would go venture out and go on vacation, um, go to some spots that I had mapped out that I wanted to do because I live a leisure lifestyle and I can do that. But because um, traveling is just not an option for leisure purposes right now, uh, that's kind of put a damper on my freedom lifestyle because I'm literally just in the truck with him all the time now. So. Oh, man. Uh, how are you enjoying that, just being in the truck with him, always on the road? Because I've never heard this from a trucker, a, um, somebody, a, tr- a trucker's lady, because most truckers I've heard of, they, they it's them by themselves and their family's just at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, we enjoy it, actually. This was really what we wanted was to um, get out of the rat race of having um, – having to pay rent, having to pay, you know, we did that. We've been together for about 10 years. So 10 years of our relationship, we were struggling to pay bills, struggling to pay rent, struggling to pay electricity every month. And we were just like, I'm, I'm done with that. Like we tried that and it don't work for us, but this works for us. We get to spend time together. We get to have a time out. He's in the front. I'm in the back reading, writing, um, doing my thing. And yeah, so it works pretty well for us. We enjoy it. Now it's Absolutely. not that it ain't that cool. Whenever we tripping and we beefing, it it doesn't it don't feel that good because I'm the type of person that's like I need a time out. But being in the truck kind of forces us to have to work our shit out. Well, that that's good that you're forced to work your shit out. Unlike some people who just take a time out and just say to hell with everybody. That <laughs> <laughs> which. Yes, so uh, salute to y'all. So tell me about the the Queen X podcast. So my podcast is basically like a journal um, for me just to be able to get my experience as a Black woman living an alternative lifestyle out to my community. So I kind of categorize myself as like a Black hippie entrepreneur. I love black people, especially black women. I'm a very positive, motivating, encouraging person. Um, I want to see people live their best life and not, you know, like I said, how I got out of the rat race. I want to see people live a life of freedom that they want to live and not a life that they feel like they have to live in order just to survive in, in America or in this, you know, whatever we have created. Um, living by your own standards. And so I'm still on a journey of discovering what that means for me as an individual. And I like to share my highs and my lows, you know, the good and the bad. Um, I've been through a lot of, a lot of shit in the 32 years that I've been, 
on this planet. And I just want to share what I've learned. So, you know, maybe other people will feel inspired from that. Um, A lot of my audience is black women and who better to discuss and talk about what black women go through than another black woman. So me and my husband have been together for 10 years now, but four years of our relationship, he was in a federal prison. I know a lot of women who have dated men that are incarcerated, men that are are in prison, and it's a very individual struggle. So it's nice that I'm able to kind of help people through our story and tell them what we've been through as entrepreneurs, as community leaders, um, as a black man and a black woman. My husband is a biracial man. So, you know, there's just different aspects that I get to talk to people about. Wow, that's real. That that's a that's a lot right there. To, um, so we can actually talk about a lot of this. So, what made you stay with somebody who gets um, incarcerated for the, the amount of time that they were incarcerated for? Um, what? Let's see. What was the key thing? It mainly was just the way that he treated me when we were together. So when he got locked mm-hmm. up, we had been together for two and a half years, and he was the shit. Like he. He really elevated my mentality. He elevated the way that I thought about the world. Um, he, I just knew that he was a person I wanted to be with. Now, originally with his charges, they were trying to give him 40 years and I wasn't going to be able to do that. But <laughs> once we got that shit knocked down to four years, I was like, this is manageable. I know that I want to be with you. I'm committed. I'm dedicated. And so um, I just, I rode that wave. Wow. How how did you continue to just ride that wave for like four years? Because I've known some women to say they could just do two years and that's it. And you basically doubled that and, and y'all still together. <laughs> uh, I had a strong belief just because I seen the way that he was growing and the way that he was developing while he was locked up. It's not like he just went to prison and just kept that same mentality he had before he got locked up. He took that opportunity to sit his ass down and to really make something of himself. And so I was I was a big believer that when he got out of prison, that we were going to be able to elevate our lives together. And we hella did. Like, like I said, we opened up our own store. We became real pillars in the Wichita, Kansas community that we were a part of. Like, we literally changed the way that people perceive um, Black relationships, the way that people view Black entrepreneurship. Like, we did the damn thing. You know, uh, we had a lot of purpose and intent behind us and the movement that we started. And that's what I believed in while he was in prison, because he showed me that he was really about that. He wasn't just it wasn't a lot of prison talk. He showed me that he was really invested in himself. So that's that's why I was able to just stay down with him. That's real. And congratulations to you for staying that time. Um, that's great to see black love is still strong in today's society. You know what I'm saying? So it's great, great to see you're a strong example of black love. Now, let's talk about your last episode with the corona credit. So what is, what are some of the big takeaways of what, what mistakes are people making with their credit that you were able to gain from your last episode? So my last episode, I did an interview with um, Bronta Washington, and she is a credit repair specialist. And Bronta put me up on game on how a lot of people are taking this opportunity to put their credit on the back burner and not worry about their credit because they're like, well, shit, I ain't got no money. I don't need to be worried about it. I don't know what they're going to do, but it ain't none of my business. And that's actually the wrong mentality that we need to be having. She she let us know that we need to um, stay in contact with the people that we owe money to so that we can uh, just have open open lines of communication because you never know what type of discounts or what type of breaks they're going to be giving us. Um, she also gave a little bit of advice on uh, what to do with our stimulus checks as far as what you can pay, what you should be paying, um, and how much or what you should be doing to save that money also, just in case, because we don't know. They keep extending this shit, so we don't really know what's going to happen, except in Florida. Florida is like, fuck it, open up the beaches. We done with this shit. (laughs) Yes, Florida is, honestly, I live here, and it's like, they just, sometimes I don't think they be thinking, honestly, because I'm like, (laughs) why in the hell would you open up the beaches? You know, everybody gonna be out there when, the best thing to do is just tell everybody, just stay at home unless it's essential, but 
I guess in their minds, surfing and going to the beaches are essential. I, I don't, I live here, but I don't even know what the hell they be thinking, honestly. Yeah, it's a trip. Some of the things that I see, and I mean, it's not just Florida. Let me not just, you know, call out your people. It's a lot of other states also that are just like, hey, we need to make money. We're, we're, we're sick of this shit. We need to make money. Yes, I, I've seen that state, and I, to a degree, I understand, but I'm just like, why the hell aren't y'all trying to work from home or something like that? Or, you know, really have your own business on the side. And honestly, this whole coronavirus is showing me who's prepared for a, for a disaster or something crazy to happen and who really isn't. And also has shown me the heart of people, you know what I'm saying? Because I saw an owner, I saw so well, restaurant owner has sold her car just to make sure her employees were straight, so... It shows me the heart of some people. And then you get some people like the Amazon owner, you know. Right. It's it's a trip. The coronavirus is really teaching us um, a lot about the people that we live in this country with. Like, who's really here for the people and who's really here for the money? Yes, that's definitely real. So... On your podcasting journey, um, what have you learned about yourself and what you um just from podcasting? Um, I've honestly about myself, the most thing that I've learned is that I'm not I'm not afraid to make mistakes. I'm not afraid to put myself out there. I used to think that I was um a lot more just self conscious than I really am. Uh, but I I'm very open on my podcast. And uh, I let a lot of people know um, more about my failures and stuff. So that allows for me, you know, to not be so hard on myself when it comes to me failing at shit, which I do quite often. I I like to tell people about it. No, I feel you on that. I I totally agree with you. I'm I'm a failure, too. I be failing a lot of things, too. So I, I totally feel you. So so what are some good books that people are suggesting to you? Um, let's see some good books that a good, really good book that I think that people um, should take the time to read, which I think that this can apply for men and women, despite the title is uh, The Secrets of Six Figure Women is a book that I'm reading now. And it's about um, people who are under earners. You learn a lot about your relationship with money, how you feel, how you genuinely feel about money. Do you actually think that you deserve to make more money? Um, Yeah, even though it's about finances and about money, it's actually a lot about your mentality and how you view yourself as a person. And I fuck with that. Hey, that's real. Um, Another book for you I would drop for you is the book, this book, I don't know if you read it or not, it's called The Art of Not Giving a Fuck by um, Mark Manson. That was a really good book. It it taught you that taught me to stop giving a, to a fuck about certain things that are just not necessary. Okay, see, I like that. I like things that are in that realm. So I'm gonna have to take you up on that, Victor. Good looking out. Isn't this not a problem? It's not a problem. So out of out of all your episodes that you've recorded so far, which one would you look back and you say this one was your favorite to record? Ooh, which one was my favorite to record? I would have to say my favorite episode to record. Um, would be the let's see the love during lockup series that I did with my husband that one was a lot of fun Um, I broke it down into a series of three episodes which are like 30 minutes apart but it just really that's a good episode because or a good series I would say just because um, it talks about a different aspect of relationships and it gave me and him a chance to talk about something that was very personal to us, but from both of our perspectives and how we see our relationship and the shit that we've been through. So it was very entertaining too. So what did you guys learn about that time of love during the lockup about each other um, during that, during that series? Oh, doing that series. (laughs) I think that I learned from him that, there was a lot more there was a lot more shit going on mentally on on his end that I was aware of. I you know was only looking at the situation from my perspective, my feelings, how I felt, but he had a lot of things going on. Um I mean, you're a man that's locked up in prison, so uh there's just a lot of things going on mentally and emotionally with yourself, not only in your relationship, but you're dealing with being locked up with a bunch of people some that you cool with, some that you're, you know, on good terms with, and some that are literally here 
um, the COs and some of the, you know, the authority figures that are here to try to like rock you and to throw you off your game. So that was very interesting for me. Oh, uh, that's that's definitely really. And it's like America America's prison system is like trash compared to other countries all around the world. But so I will say salute to your husband for doing his time and and, and coming out a better person for that, you know what I'm saying? Because America's prison system is just horrendous. Yeah, it's not really built. They call it, you know, to reform, but they're not really doing anything to actually reform. And I was a part of a um of a nonprofit in Wichita that literally the purpose of the nonprofit was to stop the uh, putting kids in jail. So they have these, you know, juvenile delinquent centers. It's basically youth prisons and their whole purpose and intent is to shut those down in the state of Kansas and eventually, you know, nationwide because it, it doesn't do anything productive. It's completely purposeless. Yes, that's real. That's real. Um, those prisons do need to get shut down. I definitely feel like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you you got those kids are blood babies. They have plenty of time to grow and make their mistakes and stuff, and they can be turned around. Now, I do want to get to an interesting concept of um, from one of your your episodes was creativity and competition cannot exist. What inspired this episode? <laughs> so. Um, that just came from a random conversation that I was having um, and we were discussing how in movies, like we were specifically talking about movies and how a lot of people, instead of using their own minds and creating something new and innovative and different, they basically just carbon copy what they view other people's successes to be. So while you're constantly and steadily in a state in your mind of, well, this person did this and it was successful. They have a, a wonderful um, recipe for success. I need to just apply my things to their recipe. Then you're literally shutting a part of your brain off and a part of your soul off because you're not allowing yourself to be creative enough um, to create your own success. So that was the inspiration behind that. Yes, I and I was I was checking out, and I have to agree with it because I feel like so many people they try to just see what their competition is doing instead of just lock the focus, honing in on their craft and just perfecting their craft, and that's how you out out um outdo your competition. Yeah, you have to be an individual. You have to show what makes you unique. So we could be doing the same thing. You and I both are podcast hosts, but we're individuals and we're unique to our own audiences and to our ourselves because we, we approach things differently. We do things differently and there's going to be different people that love and appreciate that. And it's because we're not stifling our creativity and just following the same recipe because where's the fun in that? Yes, there is just no fun in that. So it's like, and and I've, I've talked to people about other podcasts and stuff, and I told them the same thing, just be themselves, because there's a hundred million, gazillion, billion podcasts out here, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Not everybody wants to hear the same thing on every podcast. Speaking of which, what do you think of all the podcasts that are just coming out and it's just everywhere? <laughs> I think that... Um, I think it's a good outlet. I, I have no issue with people, you know, bored in the house in this quarantine. And they're like, I need to come out with a podcast. You know, everything isn't for everybody for all the time. So I don't got no issue with it. I think it's great. Um, most podcasts that I see are for a season. You know, they'll do a season and then they'll lose interest and go on to something else. And I actually think that's great because it's personal development. You know, my my, my uh, podcast actually started as a magazine, a print magazine that I used to print every three months until I figured out that that shit was too much work and it was not fulfilling for me. I much more enjoyed just talking and communicating with people verbally. Wow. So the it was the Queen X magazine before it was a podcast. Yes. Wow. How how did you decide amongst this, this transit go from transition from a magazine to a podcast? Uh, a lot of it was uh, financial pressure. It's so much more expensive to have a uh, a magazine that you put out 
even though I wasn't doing it on a monthly basis and I was doing it every quarter. So like every three months I would have a new um, magazine that came out, but I had to do, I had to put together photo shoots, find my models, um, get the clothing attire. I had to get sponsors um, for every single, you know, magazine that was coming out ads, sell the ads. Like it's a lot of work to take on for one person. And I said, I didn't, I enjoyed doing interviews with people, but I did not like the aspect of doing the interview, having a great time doing the interview, and then having to write that down and get all this personality to come through in words versus just letting people hear us have a good time during the interview. So I had to let it go. I had to change up my platform. And so far, I mean, people have loved it. I did the magazine for a year, but I've been doing the podcast now for two years and people love it. Hey, that's real. That's real. Hey, I'm, hey we, we, we kind of came in the podcast game together because I feel like I've been in the podcast game for like two years. Actually, this is it'll be three years in August. So I totally feel you. And I'm glad you finally came over to the side of the podcasting because the magazine industry, that whole print journalism industry, it's, it's been dying down some because people are just going yeah, digital. Yeah, now. it is it's the old ways and so I you know even tried doing that aspect of it of having the print issues or you could purchase it online because I didn't have to print so it made it less expensive. I had to charge less, but I still had to find advertisers, find the models, do, you know, it was just still a lot of work um for one person to be doing on their own. So podcasting is it podcasting is still hard it still has its moments you know it can be it can be tough out here but i'm just m- much happier in this realm yes i feel you on that i definitely agree with you podcasting can be tough and it does have its moments like are you serious and but you know i do from my perspective i just it just keeps it on because People like to listen to it, and the people be looking forward to listening to the episodes. So I'm glad you finally found I hope you were able to convert people that would um, subscribe to your magazine over to the podcast. I hope those people came, came they with did. you. They did. I do. My royal tribe is very loyal. Hey, that that's what's up. You know what I'm saying? This is Look or Talk. If you don't know, now you know. Go ahead, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Pull you up some liquor because the more you drink, the better this podcast is going to sound. I'm here with Miss Autumn Black today. She's holding it down out of Wyoming today. A state I've never, I didn't know black people went to, if I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> well, I can tell you, since I've been here, I may have seen one other black person, and that's about it. <laughs> wow, that that is like the life of of um a truck driver and a truck driver's wife, because there's some states you just hear, and you think, there is no goddamn black people. <laughs> and... And what's funny is I had talked to my mom like a couple of years ago. She was um, a traveling nurse and she had to go to Maine. And she was like, she saw a couple of black people. I'm like, there were black people in Maine? Right. (laughs) But, you know, it's something that I'm used to coming from Kansas. I was born and raised in Kansas. And most importantly, I was born and raised in Arc City, Kansas, where literally I would say about 87% of the black people there are my relatives we're either related by blood or we're related through marriage and so it's a predominantly white community so I'm very used to dealing with white people I'm used to their white ways Um, I know how to navigate them and so I'm not saying that I feel totally comfortable here but these people don't they don't shake my boots wow so what's some advice to you that you would give to um, some Black people who are used to being in the areas where it's just all Black people and they have to go into the areas where it's a lot of white, uh, white people and there's not very many Black people? So I know that it can seem intimidating to be the only, um, to come from a space where there's a lot of Black people, but you're the only Black person in this space. But don't try to do the code switching. I hate whenever I do see people that do code switching because they feel like they have to uh, be yourself. You know, we naturally are smart. We're naturally resilient. We naturally stick out. It doesn't matter um, what you try to do. Always come off confident. 
if you change up the way that you speak, people are going to know that you're that you're faking it. Our natural accents, they just come out. Um, so just always speak with confidence. Always be yourself because uh, you're going to shine anyway. <laughs> you're going to stick out regardless because of the, the tone of your skin and the melanin that you have. So just wear it proudly. That's real, and I, I could definitely attest to that because I've lived in Florida, and believe it or not, I've been in some areas of Florida where it's not very many black people. So I know you may see us. I know you might see the Miamis, the Jacksonvilles, but I've been in some rural areas of Florida where there's not a lot of black people, and and I've just I've just did what I had to do. I didn't really try to code switch. And why do you feel like some black people they feel like they just need to code switch, but then some of them get mad when other black people call them an uncle. <laughs> so I feel like a lot of people think code switching is necessary because they have it built up in their mind that in order for me to get to the next level and in order to achieve, you know, this level of superiority, I have to achieve some level of whiteness. Otherwise, if too much of my blackness shows, I'm never going to be accepted. I'm never going to be able to move to the next level, yada, yada, yada. All of that is completely invalid and not true. Um, you can be your natural self and still show how smart and brilliant that you are. You can definitely go to the next level. Nobody should have to go to the next level uh, wearing a mask, you know, because then you just end up wearing this costume that you can never take off because this is the only version that people have seen of you. And this, that's just too heavy. Yes, that's real. That's definitely just too heavy for people to bear and for that. And we shouldn't have to bear with that. But some people, they try it anyway. It it's is. Sad. It's definitely sad to see, you know, it's it's crazy. So so what's some of the biggest things you've learned from doing, having um, Black professionals and entrepreneurs um, on your podcast? Um, some of the best things that I've learned is that Success comes in all different shades, uh, all different forms. Like there's no one formula for reaching success. What works for this person isn't necessarily going to work for that person. Um, Probably one of the best things that I actually have learned is that you are unique to you. What's for you is, is going to be for you. Nobody else can have that. So just stand your ground and speak your truth always speak your truth and I mean you literally can't go wrong just never ever ever give up when you feel like this shit is not working out but this is really what you want that's when you're about to come into your biggest blessing that's when shit's really about to hit the fan and you're going to come out on top wow that that's dope right there Ladies and gentlemen, if y'all heard that, don't don't ever give up on your dreams because it's always when you're about to give up, that's when some big shit is going to happen. I definitely vouch for that, you know what I'm saying? I definitely can attest to that, you know. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Look and Talk podcast, and I hope y'all guys are enjoying this exclusive round episode with the Queen X herself, Miss Autumn Black. So what... So what kept you going in this podcast and what can people expect from the next season of the Queen X podcast? Um, So what's kept me going is just the fact that I love what I do. I love whenever I get emails um, and people tell me that they're enjoying the content that I'm putting out, that they relate to what I'm talking about, or whenever um, they tell me that they didn't realize that something that they were doing or saying or a certain energy that they were projecting was actually what I call ashy as fuck. And it was affecting people around them negatively. Everybody wants to be a positive person, but we tend to have trash behavior. And until someone calls you out on it and kind of makes you recognize and see that what you're doing, and what you're saying is actually affecting people negatively. I mean, you just continue to be on the bullshit. So those are some of the, some of the things that have kept me going. And what you can expect in the upcoming seasons is just, um, more black awareness, more education, um, definitely more travel vlogs on the YouTube channel and on the Patreon. Lots of lots of exclusive content over there. I love posting my travel vlogs over on the Patreon and giving people a taste of what these other places that I like to travel to are like, what you can do when you go and visit them. Big cities, small towns, just nothing but adventure. Nothing but adventure. As soon as I can get back out in these streets. <laughs> Hey, that's real. So 
today, where what's one place you're thinking uh, that is probably your favorite place to travel so far? That's been your favorite place to travel, and you just always look forward to going to. Um, I would have to say the Dominican Republic. Going to going to the DR was a lot of fun. It was not nearly as scary as people um, built it up to be. It was just interesting to see the culture and to talk to the people and to get off of the resort area and to go actually into the city and to be amongst the people that live there um, and spreading, you know, those good old American dollars amongst the people that really make that culture what it is instead of just staying on the resort and paying, uh, you know, paying the resort high dollar money. I really like to see it go back into the community. It was just beautiful. That's real. So that's what you encourage people whenever they go to the Dominican Republic is to get off the resort and just go spend that money into the Yes, community. with the people. So what we did is we actually got us a um, kind of like our own personal tour guide. You can get a taxi driver for the day and you pay him X amount of money, one set amount for the whole entire day. Tell him what it is you're looking for, what you want to go see, and he'll take you anywhere you want to go, take you amongst the people and definitely spend your money with the people and the community there. Get off of the resort because it's just all, you know, it's corp- it's corporation made, it's way too expensive, and all that money is just going right back into another white man's pockets. And it needs to go to the people who are, you know, making this that that continent and that country exactly what it is. So that's my advice when you go anywhere. But do it safely. Get you get you a tour guide. So that you're not just out here naked in these streets. Yes, that's definitely real. Now, on the flip side, what's one place that you don't look forward to going to? You said, I ain't never going back to this place. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Boston. I went to Boston and the people was crazy. Really, the people were crazy. Yeah, in just whenever I went out there, maybe it was just the area that I was in, but it just—I don't know—I really wasn't feeling the vibe in Boston. So, if you got Boston listeners and they're like, "Oh no, fuck that," we can show you a good time. You know, hit me up, Queen X Pod. Find me, send me a message. I'll give it another chance. Listen, I ain't got no Boston listeners, and to me. I feel like Boston is spoiled because all the years of their sports teams just winning all the damn championships. <laughs> so it's like, I wouldn't really want to go to Boston either because they just They spoiled. think they hot shit, huh? <laughs> yeah, they think that's probably what it is. You probably ran to the people that would just think that they just the hot shit because their teams have just been dominating the sports for the decade, but now... Everybody, everybody sitting at home now, boss. Which I gotta say, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about this episode. Your family doesn't owe you. Why do people feel like their family owes them when their family doesn't? It really they don't, really owe, don't them. owe them shit. I don't know why people have this notion. You know that if I start a business or you know if I'm invested in something, then you know my number one supporters has to be my family members. My family got to come through and pay for all these things that I'm invested in. I think it is the worst idea that a person could possibly have that your number one clientele is going to be your family. Your family don't give a shit. Your family does not give a shit about what it is that you're investing in, these shoes that you're making, these t-shirts you're making, this, this podcast that you're making. Like They're not your target clientele. They're not your target audience. So it's a waste of breath for people to be 100% invested in going to Thanksgiving and selling their product to their aunts and their uncles and their cousins. They're not going to be return customers. I mean, some of them might be if you got like something that they're really genuinely interested in. But for the most part, your family don't give a shit. Leave them people alone. <laughs> they don't. Listen, they don't. Listen, um, your family don't give a shit. And if they did, what I found is Family will find something about it, and they will just they will find a bad and just start talking about the bad. And yeah, you know what I'm and because some families they have that negative mindset, they have that crabs in a bucket mindset of I'm just gonna knock this idea down. I'm just gonna you know. So I really feel like with anything, people you could tell your family about it, 
but don't expect it for them to support it. Yeah, you're it. just really setting yourself up for failure. And a lot of times what I've noticed in my own situations is it's tends to be rooted in jealousy because we come from the same, you know, we cut from the same cloth, we come from the same family, and you think you better than me because you're putting yourself out there and doing this, and why should I invest in, in your product whenever you, you know, nobody's looking at me and nobody's paying attention to me, and it just... You know, it just get real ugly. So best thing to do, just mind your business. Mind your business and stay away from that. Yes, exactly. Because I'll be honest, I I think I've told only maybe two family members um, outside of, I think maybe I told only one or two family members outside of my mother and sister, I got a podcast because, well, back when I was in college and doing YouTube videos, my family, they always... And they they really didn't support my YouTube videos, and they always had something to say about them. So it's like, you know what? I, it's just it's just I love y'all, but it's just best that I don't tell y'all because it's like you said, I know y'all don't owe me, so I'm just not gonna tell y'all about it because I know how they are. I know their mentality. It can mess so with it can really mess with me. the person's um, confidence, the way that you view yourself. You know, like. I don't know. You just really need to surround yourself with people that are going to be positive. Even if they are giving you criticism, they're giving you and offering you criticism to make you want to be better. So do you watch the, the Netflix show um, Black AF? Have you seen that? Um, I, I started, I started to watch it, but I didn't see the whole thing, but I guess you can go on and spoil it for the people. <laughs> I'm not going to give any huge spoilers, but I just watched episode five and in episode five, he's really going in the whole entire purpose of the vid- of that episode is based off of, um, do we support black creatives or black businesses, black anything just because they're black or are we allowed to not like something, tell them it's trash if it's trash or offer, you know, um, positive crit- criticism if necessary. And it was a really, really good episode because it's a lot of people do just go with the mantra of I support everything black, whether they give good customer service, shitty products, whatever. And I do not see us being able to move forward in business and movies and music if we're not able to criticize each other because I want to see you do better. Yes, and, and honestly, I do agree with that. I, I agree with that notion. Um, if I get back, I'm going to go, I, I, I generally support black businesses, but if I feel like I have bad customer service, I'm not going to write a review about it. I'm, I'm, I, might, I might just not support I think twice before I go back to that person, but I'm not going to just bash them like, no, this person gave me horrible service. I'm not going to sit there and bash them. I'm just going to just think twice before before um doing my business and you're not just gonna go out here and say oh yes everybody go spend your money with them you know like don't expect for me to to be all out here with the banners whenever you know that you have done me terrible in the customer service area exactly and now on the flip side if i get outstanding customer service and I, i feel the love oh you're gonna hear about it on my social media you're gonna hear about it on the podcast I'm going to go out and stick my, stick my neck out for you, you know what I'm saying? Because I am one of those people that I generally try to support the black businesses whenever I find them and whenever I see them. Because some of them are really genuine people and they, they are trying to, um, you know, they're genuine people and they're small business and they, they have a really good mindset. Yes, we so. all just out here trying to create generational wealth. You know, I recognize that. But, um, you know, we just want to make sure that we're not taking from other people's generational wealth. Like, don't take from my generational wealth in order to create yours if you're not circulating, if you're not, and especially not if you're not doing a good job. So, but I'm like you, I'll do, shout you out on social media. I'll do a Yelp review, Google review, Facebook review. I'll let the world know, you know? That's real. So tell me about your Black Friday specials. What what's the um what's the mindset behind the Black Friday your Black Friday specials? Yes. Black Friday specials is a segment that I created for the podcast where I will specifically promote black businesses. Black Friday special. Um I 
like to patronize a lot of black businesses. I like to spread the wealth that, you know, I, my individual money specifically into black businesses. And I will use the product, film me using the product, film um, my progress with the product or the services. And then I just create videos to put on Instagram and YouTube. And then I'll do a episode specifically about that black business, um, promoting it to all my listeners my Instagram followers, Facebook followers, anybody that subscribed to my newsletter um, through email. And yeah, I, I love supporting black business. That is a real big passion of mine. Wow, that's real. I think I need to instill that passion for myself, if you don't mind, because I really want to I want I want to network and help out and make a connection, too, because, you know, what I'm saying because I've known some black businesses They'll look. You look out for them. They'll. They will look exactly. out for you. Exactly. Yeah. So it's all that about is, you know. That's a really community. Uh, yeah. We are a community. So I scratch your back. You scratch my back. You know. Uh, we're just looking out for each other. Yes, that's real. That's definitely real. Just looking out for each other. So how do you feel that same love within the podcasting community um, from um, different other podcasters? Um, I have felt that love from other podcasters as far as like social media engagement. But I really haven't put myself out there. You're the first other podcast um, that I've actually went and did an interview with. That's not someone that I know personally. And, you know, that was because you were bold enough and encouraging enough to put yourself out there and say, hey, you know, I want to talk to other other podcast hosts and, you know, interview you guys, put you on my platform. And I really appreciate you doing that because <laughs> you, you got me here. I'm used to doing the uh -huh. interviews and not being the interviewee. And I've heard that a lot from a lot of different podcasters. A lot of podcasters said the same thing. It's just different being on the other side. So now I'm probably going to be like, look, I need to be on the other side. It's my damn self. But I haven't I haven't really thought about that part yet only because I was just trying to network with people and try to make connections on my end. So I'm going to try to look forward to being a guest. So like I tell, I know I usually say, tell this um, at the end, but I'll tell you now, but like I tell all the other podcast people that come on, like, I might be in Florida, but I'm only a DM away if you want to get into your podcast. <laughs> Definitely. So. I was just thinking the same thing. Uh, community, like I said, is all about returning the favor. So I would love to have you come over to the Kleenex pod and meet my royal family. Yes, I, I wouldn't mind meeting the royal family. So tell me, what's something about podcasting you wish you would have known before you got started? I wish I would have known that editing is terrible. <laughs> editing is hard work. Um, sound is very important. So I wish that I would have, you know, just been more on top of making sure that I had like the really good, pristine um, microphones, um, maybe... I don't know, just something, you know, more with the, the sound part of it, because I was just, for me, podcasting is all about the interaction, me and other people, what I'm learning from people, the content I'm able to give to my audience. Um, but a lot of people are discouraged by sound. The sound doesn't bother me. I can listen to anything, anywhere, because I'm all about the content, but sometimes the sound does become an issue for people, and because I'm, you know, living life on the road, um, the semi truck can be kind of loud and noisy sometimes. My husband is in and out w with his job, and so that was that's just something that I never really thought about, you know, whenever I first started. No, I, I totally feel you on that. On the sound is like because I I try not to let it deter me from listening to a podcast because I'm like you. I be sitting there listening to other podcasts as well, just uh, way ahead of um. Whenever I have to have guests on so that way, I know which what I want to talk about and what do I want to um, cover with them. So, well, now, staying along the lines, what do you wish you would have known about being a um, um, freelance entrepreneur, traveling involved and stuff? What would you wish you would have known about that? Um, I wish that I would have been a better planner. Um, I really like to do things on a whim. I'm a very random person. So being able to do anything at like the, the drop of a hat at random times and it takes a lot more planning, um, sometimes weeks of planning, sometimes, you know, a couple months in the future to plan things out. And I really need to get better about that. <laughs> 
At least you're honest about it. Um, because I, I feel you on that because I used to be the last minute king, you know what I'm saying? College college has had had that mindset for me as well of I know when something's due, do it the day before or the day of. I don't know what it is about the last minute for me, but I would put on my best work at the last minute. I don't know why, but it's something I could say I'm happy I've um, worked through and now I've just worked on planning things out. So I totally agree with you. I totally get you on that. So what's one of the greatest failures you've ever had and how did you overcome that failure? Since you say you talked about a lot about, about your um, failures, so... Mm, my greatest failure let's see um okay so I don't even I guess I would classify this as a failure so remember I told you at the beginning of our interview that me and my husband owned a store we owned a shop for two years and we closed the doors on our store um it's not that we weren't making making enough money it was just like I said we weren't living that lifestyle that freedom lifestyle that we wanted to live um but I felt really guilty closing the doors on our on our store because we were giving so much to the community and I felt like we were deserting them failing them leaving them without um but part of the way that I was able to kind of get over that is by recognizing that we lit a fire and we started to spark in people. We got people more interested in their African history, more interested in their spiritual, um, the spiritual side of being a African or African-American and introduced them to a lot of different products. And so through that, actually, I was able to give some of my resources to some people who were really, really into some of the products that we had, and they were able to start their own businesses based off of the information that I gave them. So that made me feel a lot better. Wow, that's real. So what kind of store did you guys own? So was it, I'm assuming this was like an African clothing store or what kind of products um, did you guys sell? We called it just a culture store. Um, the name of the store was United Vibes Culture and More, and we sold shea butter, African black soap, pro-black t-shirts, um, books, poetry books, history books, uh, earrings, a lot of um, uh, healing crystals, healing stones, a lot of natural herbs. I would make homemade yoni steams, homemade candles, very holistic. Um, you know, we didn't really do well, we didn't do anything that was not of the culture. It was, you know, for the culture, by the culture. Wow, that's real. Look, I'm going to be honest. If I find a store like that in, here in Tampa, Florida, I'll, I'll definitely support it because it's definitely Black-owned. That, that sounds like a store that people need. Did you guys ever, like, consider, like, going online with the store? Yeah, we or? did. Um, That was originally what our what our first plan was but once we got in the truck and we seen how much limited space it is that we have in the semi um, we just knew that there wasn't right now it's not something that we would um that we would really be feasible for us we literally barely have space in the truck for all of our clothes and cleaning supplies um but once we elevate from just being in the semi you know uh on the road we're hoping to get some type of a SUV or a larger vehicle, a school bus maybe to renovate, and we'll have a lot more space in there to be able to bring our store back. Um, that was the best thing about our store was we opened it because we felt like Wichita, Kansas was a cultural desert. I grew up in a cultural desert being from Arc City where Black culture and just being Black and being proud was completely unacceptable. Um, so Wichita was kind of a cultural desert and there wasn't really anything there that was making people feel like they could relate to their black culture, their black history. Um, and so we wanted to take the store on the road. So we're eventually hoping that once we are able to, you know, move into a larger vehicle um, and have that type of freedom and we have more space than we got in the truck, that we'll be able to bring that to a lot more other cultural deserts around the United States. So how did you find your love for the African-American culture while growing up, despite um, growing up in a town that had no I culture? I left that motherfucker. <laughs> 
I got up out of there. Um, I stayed there all up until uh, I think I was maybe 20, 21 years old whenever I met my husband and he moved me out of there. And then I moved to Texas. And once I got down to Texas and I was in uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area and I seen how black people were just thriving as themselves and they weren't trying to they weren't attempting to ask anybody to accept them. They were just doing it and supporting each other and educating each other. And that, you know, that just kind of started how I came to terms with the fact that me and all my blackness is just fine. It's more than fine. It's more than acceptable. It's actually fucking amazing. And I've just never let go of it. I've just been expanding it ever since then. Hey, that's real. Shout out to Dallas for opening up your eyes. You know what I'm saying? Um, for me, me personally, it was going to HBCU that opened up my eyes to that. My blackness is just everything. So uh, that's on my part. Where did you go? End. So um, I, I went to Florida. Yes. And, um, that is my, if I ever had one regret, the only regret that I ever had in life is that I did not go to an HBCU. And that was because I didn't know when I was in high school, um, we didn't know the HBCUs existed. Like they never came. And when they would tell us, you know, hand us packets about different colleges to apply to, never once did they ever mention any HBCUs. So it was too late. I didn't know it was an option. (laughs) Hey, man, listen, that's where HBCUs have got to get better um, with the networking and marketing and I feel like it's coming up. I feel like they're getting to a point where it's going to be getting to that point. Because I remember during my time there, I met people from California. I met people from Canada. I met people from all over that told me that they came from all parts of the country just to come to FAMU. So I feel like it's getting better than what it was. So, and I will say, like I said, going to HBCU is something I would strongly recommend for us Black people. You know what I'm saying? So where do you stand in the whole notion of the black? Because you get some black people that they tend, the ones that don't go to HBCUs, they always seem like they always have the most to say about HBCUs. How do you feel about that? I mean. The, the ones that go to the PWIs, the predominantly white institutions, it feels like they always have the most to say about HBCUs because during my time in Tallahassee, it was always the black Florida State students that always had something to say. It was never the um, other races. They were the other races were cool, but I feel I like uh, part of it is a little bit of an insecurity about not going and being a part of that culture. Um, so they just want to feel like they made the right decision. You know, nobody wants to feel like they like they turned their back on their on their culture or their people or like they fucked up by doing something different. But I mean, I'm a big believer in you don't have to. Um, talking down on something or talking down on people doesn't that's not really a show of confidence like when you talk shit on an HBCU because you didn't go there it it really shows your true colors of the fact that you're feeling real insecure about what you got going on at this PWI yes um I definitely agree with that I definitely agree with that notion you know what I'm saying and as soon as we shut them up as soon as we bring up the history about that PWI, um, that shut them up real quick. Once he dropped the knowledge on that, hey, your PWI didn't accept black people until this certain time, they shut up I real mean, That's quick. what I'm saying. People, you got to do your research. Before you get out here and get to capping on people, you got to do your own research on your own house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, indeed. You need to do your homework. You need to have your shit done before you start capping on an HBCU, you know what I'm saying? Because we may cap on, like, family's big rivals, Bethune-Cookman, we may cap on them, but at the end of the day, they still got a, we still got their backs and we still got our backs. It's still that HBCU love. It's like, you know, some some HBCUs, they talk a little bit more shit than <laughs> others, but we, we still love them all equally, you know what I'm saying? We still one big family, you know what I'm saying? Because it's because HBCUs, we got to stick together because People are, some people now they're not going to them as much as they are. We need them to start going back to them. But 
I'm starting to see a good trend of them. It's starting to trend yeah, in the right direction. Yeah, there's always going to be that unity, and that's something that the PWIs don't have. You know, it's straight competition. There's not that level of unity between them. And, but that's when it comes to Black people, Black culture, and anything, it's always going to be that underlying layer of unity. We might talk shit, but we always going to be united. Yes. Yes, we're going to always, when it's time to be united, we're going to come back and we're going to be that united front. If When it's time to talk shit, oh, we're going <laughs> to talk shit for days. Facts. <laughs> yeah, you got to love it. So what can people get from listening to your podcast? Inspiration. The most thing that people are going to learn when they come to the Queen X podcast is um, it ain't no ashy-ass behavior happening over there. So what I classify ashy-ass behavior is anything that stops someone's, someone else's freedom, anything that makes someone feel guilty or negative. We don't deal with none of that. We believe in people living their best, freest, most glorious life, you know, straight moisturized, shea buttered up. So that's, that's a lot of what you get whenever you're at the Queen X podcast is alternative lifestyle, but nothing but freedom, nothing but peace, love, light, all of that good shit. But I do cuss. I cuss a lot. Hey, that's, <laughs> hey, that is. Hey, who you talking shit? Why you I don't know what you tell me that for you? I know you listen to some of these ladies. So <laughs> yes. We be going off, man. You know what I'm saying? So we be, it's nothing to me. So it's like whenever I do have guests about, oh, God, I mean, I'm like, man, I lose, man. I tell people all the time, this is raw and uncut. Grown folks talk. So. Cut loose. Hey, I don't I love care. liquor you know talk for that. I love they, liquor they, talk they, for that. I get a lot of people that, you know, they come to me because they're like, oh, I, I love your energy. You're so positive, the love and light. But they're very startled when they hear me say fuck. Like, and I'm just like, don't be fooled. Like, love and light does not mean that some shit's not fucked up every now and then. And I have to check somebody. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you on that. Oh, I'm with you on that. If I have to, I will bring down that hammer. I don't, I don't. I don't, I, I'm not scared to take it to the south side of, of my hometown of St. Petersburg, Florida. I'm not, I'm not scared to take it to that side of me, you know what I'm saying? If I got to check some shit that's just fucked up, like you said. So, and I feel like a lot of us black folks, we get scared and startled to let that inner child, let that inner beast out, you know what I'm saying? And I just wish that we just say exactly. fuck it and let it Fuck ride. it, yes. Put it out there because somebody needs, somebody needs to hear that. Yes, yeah, somebody needs to hear that. Somebody's going to be entertained by it, you know what I'm saying? And you're going to have other other people, they're going to be entertained by it too. So you got you always got to just, you know, put it out there. Now, lastly, why should people subscribe and join the Queen X podcast? And also, why should people uh, subscribe to the vlog as well? Um, so definitely for the Queen X podcast, you want to subscribe because everybody wants to feel inspired. My episodes are not super long. I go sometimes for five to seven minutes of inspiration. Sometimes you can get 30 to 45 minutes of inspiration. If you love black culture, you love black people, you want to live a lighthearted, free lifestyle, this is the place for you. Um, And for the vlog and the Patreon, if you are interested in traveling, you want to find more like-minded people that are interested in traveling around the United States as well as internationally, then My content is perfect for you because I travel, I show you what to do, how to do it. And especially for those people who are plant-based, there's a lot of places that don't offer that much vegan and plant-based food, but I will find them, especially if they're black owned. I will find them and I will show them to you. Wow. That's dope for vegans. Are you vegan yourself? Hey, more listen, more power to y'all. You know what I'm saying? I salute to y'all. Y'all are big on the veganist. I, I tried it for a little bit. It just went for me. But I say salute to y'all. Hey, I'm definitely going to subscribe to this blog. Going to check it out. So that way I know where the vegan spot's at. In case I encounter someone that's vegan, I can there just you go. look out the community, for them. Victor, so that's real. And I, th- I thank you for coming on Look at Talk. You know what I'm saying? And like I said earlier... Whenever you're ready for me to come into the Queen X Kingdom and come be a guest, I'm looking forward to it because I've been telling a lot of people this, but not a lot of them has held held me to it. Um, honestly, probably one or two that's held me to it. And shout out, I'm gonna get that quick shout out. Shout out to the Cake Dish Podcast, and also shout out to Tea Tomatish. 
Those so far, those are the only two podcasts I've been a guest of or been a part of. So whenever you're ready for me, <laughs> oh, no you're pressure. Coming. Don't Just, even worry. I got you. Shoot me a DM. Oh, hey, bet you just let me know when I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? I like to say I might be in Florida, um, but I'm ready. You know what I'm saying? I know you gonna be traveling all across the country, so <laughs> you just let I me know. You already know. Sometime. You never know, Victor. Ooh, she said she's gonna <laughs> pop up on me. <laughs> Bring it on, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I hope you have enjoyed our guest. Um, thank you, Miss Autumn, for coming on. Look at talk and just bless us with your presence. We thank do appreciate you so much. it. I can't wait to come back. Yes, I can't wait for you to come back too, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you for listening to the Look at Talk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. As always. As always, subscribe to the podcast. Tell us what you think. Follow us on Instagram at Look at Talk Podcast. And until the next time we meet, pull that Look.